It's that time again. We go beyond the jive. Join our hosts, John Swan and Natalie B. Brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. All you hive jive junkies out there, this is the hive jive. Hi, everybody. <laughs> hello. Hello. How are you? Are you feeling better? I'm feeling a little bit better. Um, so there were two episodes that came out on the main platform. The first one came out last Friday, which was called COVID Sensory Deprivation. And that one was uh, initially I was going to put it out here on Patreon so that everybody would have an episode. And if you listen to it, you can tell towards the beginning I mention as if I'm just talking to our patrons here multiple times. And then by the end of it, I had already changed my mind. And I I, I was like, it's going out to everybody. Um, but I said on there, there were, I, I kept repeating, there's not going to be a video component to this because my face was swollen. The whites of my eyes were yellow instead of white. It was really bizarre. Um, and I couldn't talk very well. And I'm still working on getting my voice and everything back. So... I've got a cough drop in my mouth at the moment, so please forgive my um, poor manners for crunching and, and sloshing this thing around as we go through and talk. <laughs> well, you know, I have uh, always a little bit of uh, allergy, you know, whatever cough, so between you and I, we'll be, we'll be golden today. <laughs> There'll be a lot of take turns, like, hurry up, hurry up, I got to go next, I need to mute. <laughs> mute, mute. <laughs> so... Um, so on the sensory deprivation episode, let's start there. So th this this Patreon episode may just be like a rehash and a recap, um, but I did originally want to have this conversation with you whenever it dawned on me. And then I decided just to do, because I wasn't feeling well, obviously, on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. And so we didn't get to do our normal recording. And it wasn't until Friday that I I was to a point where I could sit down and try to talk and my voice, my voice still has a little, little bit of a rasp to it. It's a little raspy. Yeah. yeah it's a little deep, deeper than usual. Yeah. So, oh, well, hmm, that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> so, so I uh, found out partway through, it was probably three-ish days in, it occurred to me, and it was a weird occurrence, but it occurred to me, I couldn't smell anything. It just kind of like it was one of those things that it was very gradual and subtle. And then I was like, wait, I should have been able to smell that. And the first thing that actually caught my attention was taking a shower in the summertime out here in the forest. I have a mixture, a very strong mixture of a body wash and shampoo that is tea tree oil and eucalyptus, two things that are extremely potent. I couldn't smell it at all. I sniffed it and I'd squeeze it and I'd get like this faint lingering of maybe something citrus, which there's no citrus in that whatsoever. And I was like, oh my God, I can't smell anything. Like I don't get anything from this. And of course your sense of taste is directly related to your sense of smell. So I would eat something and I could tell you sweet or salty. And I could tell you sometimes spicy, but I couldn't tell you what that was. That spice could have been Italian seasoning. It could have been basil. It could have been garlic. I don't know. It was just, there's something spicy, <laughs> not necessarily right. heat related, but there was flavor in there that I couldn't identify. Um, yeah. So it was, it was kind of odd, but it made me stop and it made me think. And I put out this episode to everybody talking about what would beekeeping be like without your sense of smell. 
because that was kind of a startling revelation. I know people down there around Austin that got it early on and still have never regained their sense of smell. And a lot of long-term effects that have been lingering for some people. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's, there's pros and cons to it. It's, and I did mention, obviously it's not that you can't do beekeeping if you can't smell, but if you can, and you have, and you've been doing it, there's so much sensory input that comes from Mm -hmm. that, both in the really awesome euphoric, you get all these pheromones and all these scents and everything. And it's just very, an enlightening kind of thing. Yeah. And it's good and it's great. Um, And then there's also things that some of the listeners pointed out, which are very obvious. And I just not, I just neglected to even mention it in there, but the, the simple fact of like, if there is a disease or if Mm -hmm. there is a hive beetle infestation of a lot of the larva or anything that's starting to spiral out of control, you can tell the difference between positive fermentation and bad fermentation when something's gone quote unquote off and that gives you clues and triggers. Oh, wow. I've smelled this before. This was when this happened and this was a thing. So you can jump to that conclusion and say, this is probably what's going on here. Um, American foul brood. There's a reason that American and European foul brood have the foul in the title. It is. Yeah, it is a very distinctive odor. And that's a very key indicator that you need to maybe do some of these other tests to then verify if that's the case. So what what do you think to you? Because I've already explained to everybody else. What do you think beekeeping would be like without the sense of smell? Well, uh, he, we might as well ask Les Crowder because he has lost his sense of smell permanently. So has he really? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. He has. He had surgery, right? He had um, um From the cancer uh, melanoma, and yep. he had uh, uh, surgeries that damaged nerve nerves in his face and and in his throat. So he has no sense of smell anymore he can't did that, just, you know did that, only put the, did that equate over to taste too as i was gonna say it can only taste like the strong tastes and he eats very spicy because of it yeah so but he can no longer smell you we were talking about i i definitely rely on my nose like a lot of beekeepers to see you know first you the first whiff you get off of the hive you can tell if there's nectar coming in if they're uh, dehydrating that nectar you can even smell the pollen but anything that's going to smell off or kind of musty or kind of like sad i like to call it sad because it just doesn't smell like a thriving colony that alerts you indeed to what could be happening and so combine that with the fact that you can tell when the bees are giving the alarm you can smell if they're oh really yeah bad, their pheromones right? when they're pissed off yeah right so I, I i use my nose quite a bit just as much as a lot of the beekeepers out there but there's another beekeeper that i um was with this weekend at the Travis County Beekeepers Association. Michael Bush was visiting for the weekend. And so he had like a three day long event and he had uh, had COVID three, four weeks ago. And he, I think he could smell, but everything that he ate tested disgusting, like vomit or something like that. And so he couldn't eat he had to force himself to eat stuff because it was really unpalatable. So it's interesting that, you know, what was a little bit side note because, you know, it's a COVID related thing, but it can definitely mess up with your senses. Yeah. And I would be sad to not be able to use my nose to, to kind of help assess what's going on in the hive. Now, 
some beekeepers when uh, it, I mean some beekeepers don't rely on all their senses. Uh, Francois Hubert, who was one of the fathers of modern beekeeping, he was blind, right? So he relied on the eyes of several of it, people around him to make diagnosis. And so in a way, he argued that because he had to rely on so many different people, uh, he was making a more educated guess than if it was just his own eyes. So maybe what you need to do is to get everybody in your family to come with you to the beehives and smell. <laughs> right, John, you get you get all their beekeepers to come with you and maybe your nose <laughs> and describe where they're smelling. <laughs> Well, it does definitely, uh, there is instances, obviously, where if somebody loses one of their primary senses, the other ones tend to kick into overdrive to overcompensate and make up for that. So you can have where maybe you're hearing things that normally you wouldn't pick up on, or suddenly your your vision becomes more attuned and acute to certain things that you didn't pay attention to before. So there's things like that that can go through and, and compensate for that. But when you said the whole thing about, I purposely asked about Les's taste, and when you said the whole thing about Michael Bush and everything tasting disgusting and him not wanting to eat, that's actually not a deviation from the topic because the other part of my conversation or my little monologue that I did led into the fact of over the past few years, I have prided myself for better or worse and being able to sample honey and uh -huh. identify key aspects of it oh, that I really liked or that I didn't like and different aspects that I could tie together. Like I now know a common thread for any honey that is produced in an area where there are trees and there are tree blossoms, there is a very common note that runs across things like tupelo honey and sourwood honey and just the, the tree, quote unquote, wildflower honey that you can actually pick up in there and know that there was some source coming from a tree. Hmm. I love that. You mentioned that in one of the last episodes. And uh, that's amazing. It's like kind of being a honey sommelier, being a honey connoisseur. In a way, because I yeah. can't do that with wine at all. Wine is wine and it doesn't, <laughs> there funny. is no distinguishing anything for me. It's just a lost, it is completely lost on me whatsoever. But on honey, I could do it. Could. Well, the question <laughs> is, you could do it. Can you still do it now? Because without your nose, I'm sure that's depriving you from a big uh, it, component yeah, of that. Because I, I did lots of hot tea and honey which was really interesting because it was hot, sweet liquid. <laughs> I, I had nothing else to go on. And I, one of the, one of the mixtures that I was doing was actually ginger probiotic and country peach mixed together with honey. And all it was, was hot, sweet water. <laughs> oh no. So that's like depriving you from a lot of the enjoyment. It, it was, it was. Yeah. Now in the, in the, in the other aspect of this, luckily everything has started coming back. And the other day, um, and I, I told this on the, the episode, but the other day I was eating a mango and I was all but two bites from finished. And that second to last bite, all of a sudden there was this burst of mango <laughs> And I literally like shrieked and exclaimed to nobody because I was alone, but I was like, oh my God, I can taste it. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's fleeting in and out. Okay. There are, there are little aspects that are coming back. Um, I am able to randomly pick up little things here and there. Um, for instance, uh, I ordered a pizza the other night and 
I thought that I had heard somebody arrive because we've all been segregated out. So I've, I've yeah. got the lower level of the house is just my domain oh. and I'm hiding down here in like a cave, basically. Even and, though you were uh, all sick at the same time? You uh, yeah, well, yeah, within it was basically within uh, three or four days of each other. So the first one and then two days later, me okay. and then somewhere right after that mom. So, I mean, it, it we were all basically exposed um, without knowing it before any of the symptoms set in. So it was kind of like, well, crap, but yeah. Um, and luckily everybody's on the mend today, officially today of the time of this recording, everybody has tested or sorry, negative. Everybody has tested negative for the very first time. So yeah. mom's negative. I'm negative. We're all good. Um, yeah. So we're, we're on the mend. We've got another test to do, but when this actually releases on Wednesday, if that one comes back negative, then we can stop the whole quarantining and everybody can intermingle again. But, um, but yeah, so there's been little things. I went upstairs thinking that the, I was like, I was sure the pizza had arrived. So I put on my mask and I sneak upstairs and I get to the door and I look outside at the little table outside the door and there's nothing on it. But then I caught a whiff of like elements of pizza. It wasn't the whole pizza smell, Ooh. but I could get little hints of it. And I followed it down the hallway <laughs> and, and my pizza was in the kitchen and I was like, yay. Um, but I mean, my sense of smell actually is, was really good. So I'm hoping that it comes back because yeah. I, it was another thing that I was like, I was really proud of those senses. They, <laughs> they did really well. Um, well, I hope they come back and, and stay because that's the other thing I've heard because uh, I haven't had COVID or those symptoms. And, and so I heard that sometimes you can regain it back and then you, there's periods of time when you can lose it again. Yeah, like it, it comes and goes. That's something with your brain's uh, yeah. sense receptors of some kind well yeah. there's there's lots of, of long covid post covid type symptoms that can plague people and a lot of it is neurological so yeah that's that's not fun and that's where mine was for like the first four or five days was in my head and yeah. it was so much pressure and it was just it was debilitating i didn't want to do anything uh yeah. And then I, I was also exhausted you know like getting up and moving from one place to the other wiped me out so that was no fun but all in all, it, you know, we will hope that it doesn't have this reoccurring thing. Something, though, that is very odd to me is I have been on a prescription for uh, stomach acid because I had a. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, hiatal hernia, partial hiatal hernia, where part of my stomach is actually up kind of inside between the esophagus and where the stomach should be. It's come up through that little sphincter type mm -hmm. muscle there and. So I, I had constant heartburn nonstop for over a year and uh, went in and had a endoscopy. And then they also did uh, one of the other ones from the other end. <laughs> so Ooh, uh, colonoscopy. Yeah, colonoscopy all, all at the same time. They were like, you're going to be out. You might as well get them both. Um, so had both of those done. That's when they actually found that. And they had prescribed a, uh, a, a prescription for a stomach acid pill. And I have to take it pretty much every single day. Oh, because wow. if I don't, by the middle of that afternoon, it already starts and then it, it just gets unbearable. And so I have been taking that constantly, except for when I got sick. And when I got sick, I was too miserable to even get out of bed and do anything or think about anything. So I didn't take it. And I still have not taken it now for 11 days and I haven't had any issues. So oh, that's it's a complete, so. yeah. It, and, and there was a few times, like every once in a while, I'll forget on a weekend or something. And I always know by the middle of that day, I'm like, ah, crap. Well, here we are 11 days in and uh, no foreseeable issues, knock on wood. 
where uh, that that seems to have gone by the wayside. So if I can continue on and not have to take that, I'm totally okay with that because I don't like taking stuff to begin with. <laughs> uh, no, I don't blame you. And that stuff is interesting. Maybe you can preventively um, get some honey to keep the acidity low because that works really well. Well, I mean, I've got a lot of that. So, <laughs> and yeah. I eat a lot of it. That's um, good. So, yeah. So the, that's the uh, that's the long and the short of that whole story. I'm going to rattle on here for a moment while you look at social media uh -oh. um, because you didn't you didn't see the episode that came out literally like two hours before this recording started. So look up okay. Wicked Bee Apiary on social media and uh, <laughs> on Instagram, that, right? On Instagram or Facebook, either one. It's on both. Um, that will lead you into the episode that just came out today. And okay. uh, that episode is uh, aptly titled The Brown Bear. Sorry, Black Bear. <laughs> we could be. I will take a look. Then. Yeah, take a look so you can visually get an idea here. But um, on the main segment episode that came out today, episode number 164 is called The Brown. Or sorry, I keep wanting to say brown. It's called The Black Bear. Um, because he you was not brown, he was black. No, no, no. Wicked be apiary on my Instagram, not the podcast. Um, but it is aptly titled because yesterday, uh, no, well, today's Monday. So Saturday night, we had a visitor come to the front door. The and... first encounter. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Start, start looking through those pictures. Um, there's two two different sets there. But uh, yeah, we had our very first bear encounter. A black bear showed up and uh, long story short, because you can listen to the podcast episode for the play-by-play, -play, the top bar conversion hive is no more. <laughs> it is gone. <laughs> I'm looking at those pictures now and I'm just so sad. This is horrible. Yeah, um, I thought at first that I was going to get off easy because after it messed around up in the carport, and we got it kind of chased off. 15 minutes later, it showed back up and it flipped over the hive. And Kevin went to see what that ruckus was because every time the dogs would just start throwing a fit. And by the time I got masked up and made it upstairs, he oh. he was standing there looking out the window and he goes, there are a lot of bees around the lights. And I was like, gosh, yeah, except it was the F word. And so I knew instantly that's the closest hive to the house. And if there are bees coming up to the lights, they have been disturbed majorly. And sure enough, we go out there on the deck and we shine the spotlights down and the bear is plopped down on his butt with his feet out in front of him. And he has flipped yeah. the hive completely upside down. And he's a bit perplexed because he's not sure how to get into it. And so we chase him off and a storm rolls in right after that. So we were like, all right, lots of lightning, lots of thunder, torrential downpours, the bear's done for the night. Tomorrow I'll go out there and salvage it. Well, unfortunately, the storm was short-lived. It was over and done in like an hour. And sometime late at night or in the wee hours of the morning, the bear came back and finished it off. One of the things that I thought was interesting is the corrugated nuke box that was set on the, the transition board so that it, it could transition well into the top. Well. It kind of did. But the first thing was it ripped off to the side and was then perpendicular to the hive. And I couldn't tell which orientation it was. So I didn't know if the big cut in the side of it was facing up or not, if it was going to be poured on and rained on. And so I was a little concerned about that. But by the next morning, when I got out there, he had picked that up and moved it and yeah. took the frames out of it. And I mean, scraped them down to plastic 
just gnawed and chewed on them, got all the brood off of it. Then, and this was the part that I was like, that was, that was smart. He picked up the hive and set it on top of a log at a 30 to 45 degree angle so that he could see straight down inside that upside down top bar hive where the opening was open because that's where that nuke box used to set and was then that's able the to reach angle. in and just gut everything out. And so that's the angle that you took the picture of, right? Yeah, where it's setting at a weird angle. That's why there's a log underneath it. Yeah, and that's right. me. That's me exactly right there. That's me shooting straight down inside the hive from the end of it. Um, now, one of the things that I've always said on the podcast and one of the things that I got in some of the video stuff there that I will release out there on Instagram and stuff here later, as soon as I get done editing some of it together and trying to edit out my edit out my curse words. <laughs> one of the things is the fact that there were I wasn't able to salvage them, but there were entire combs of capped honey completely left alone. All of the frames and comb that had brood in it, he completely destroyed. So, and I've, I've often said the whole adage about Winnie the Pooh and honey is a misnomer because they go after the brood for the protein and the fat. That's the honey is just want. dessert. Right. <laughs> the honey is exactly. dessert. So, so I'm sorry to see that. That's, that's catastrophic destruction. It was. I'm sorry for you. Yeah. And then the other thing is that what does that mean for your other colony? Is it going to come back? Because less is always, always said once the honey, yeah. the bear has had a taste of the hives and the honey, it always comes back so yep. it might be hard i mean he said he used to have to go <laughs> around and and just kind of uh he would i think that at some point one of those bears was so bad and you know less he's not a yeah he's a gentle giant he's a guy. gentle yeah. soul but he said that bear had to be taken down uh for because it was it was too close to human yeah. habitations and it's just kind of like was all of a sudden uncontrollable kind of a thing well, the the upside here is I've already been in contact with the Fish and Game Wildlife Commission, and there's been a few instances. This is the first time in about seven years on our side of the lake. There's been a few instances in the last uh, two to three years where there was a black bear that kept showing up in a neighbor's pool and taking a swim, oh. and they trapped it and then relocated it. But then shortly after, about a quarter to a half a mile away, a couple of black bear cubs started yeah. showing up running around unattended and they think that may have been its mother and then or their mother and uh so then they trapped them and, and took them off as well but they are good around here about if they start showing up or interfering with populated areas they try to trap them and then they relocate them to an unpopulated area far enough away that hopefully they don't try to migrate back through now mm -hmm. because we haven't had any around here in so long it this is not currently <laughs> fingers crossed and quote unquote, this is not currently its home. It is passing through, but it did find some tasty treats between me and my neighbor and a few other places. So it could decide that this is where it's going to bed down for its overwinter. And right. if that's the case, the chickens, the other beehive, all kinds of stuff could oh. suddenly become up as potential dinners. So um, the other beehive though is double ratcheted down. It's on a metal hive stand and it is ratcheted down so tight to that hive stand that like if you tried to cut it, it would probably snap like a little mm -hmm. explosion. So he can pick it up. He can knock it over. He can throw it down the side he of the damn hill. With it. Yeah. They're going to be shaken up, but there's nothing <laughs> in there that can be torn up. And I don't foresee him unless he literally cuts through or chews through the actual ratchet straps. Mm -hmm. I don't see him being able to tear it apart 
that's not to say that he's not strong enough to do it. I just think it'll hold together and he'll be more frustrated. Um, so the other Langstroth, and it hasn't been touched at the moment. There's no tracks around it. It's good. So it's good to go. Um, mm-hmm. Now, here's my big conundrum. Mm-hmm. I was able to salvage three frames and I put them into one of the plastic, uh, not the corrugated plastic, but the solid molded plastic nuke boxes. Mm-hmm. I really don't like them. I don't like the slide up fronts oh, and stuff you to mean them. The brown ones with yeah. the green and yeah. yellow tops. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I had some of those. I put the three frames in there and there were, there were little clumps of bees everywhere. I went around trying to scoop them up and put them in there. I have not done an assessment to see if the queen is present or not because there was so much chaos. I felt bad enough all as right. it was. So we went ahead and we put them in there. I closed it up. I left it there all day so that the rest of the bees could try to orient back on that location. And I set it right at the edge of where the hive box had been wow. setting anyway. There was a big beard on the front of it when I went out there that evening. Oh, I smoked good. them so that they would all go inside. And then I closed it up and I brought it in the house. <laughs> Oh, so that the bear wouldn't come back. <laughs> that, yeah, I brought it inside and I set it in here on my desk, actually, so that because I knew it's coming back. It's coming back yeah, tonight. It's going to come back and check it out. That little plastic box is not going to save anything. Oh. So I went ahead and brought them in. As soon as I got up this morning, I put my suit back on, took them back out, set them back out there on the little platform so that they could go through and do their stuff. Gonna they are not it happy. In every night. <laughs> I am going to bring them back in this evening as soon as we're done recording, actually. <laughs> so that's a good strategy for now. For now, it'll work because I'm not screwing up their orientation. As soon as it right. opens, they're in the exact same spot. I right. just close them up and bring them in so that they can <laughs> safely, you know, make it through the night. But there's only three frames and I don't know if there's a queen. So obviously I'm going to look for a queen in a couple of days, see if she's in there. The frames that are in there got completely torrentially rained on at 70 degrees and it was a downpour. So any brood, any eggs, any larva that was in that, I'm thinking is probably none. It's just not valid. It's going to be dead. It's going to be chilled because the bees were, they had more important things going on than, Hey, we need to keep this brood warm and keep the rain off of it. So I'm not thinking any of the broods going to be viable. If the queen is not present, I am then I can take, from that other Langstroth and I can try to find a frame that has eggs and larva and give it to them. But then I'm running that whole gamble of, is it too late? Is there any drone congregation areas? How many drones are in there? Personally, so if there's no queen in there, I would just, just combine, combine them, it. call it good. Yeah. I was trying to decide because even if she's there, three frames aren't going to do it. You know, no. like they're going to have to, I'm going to, I thought about building a Manuke box out of two by so that they've actually like got do, enough we- space. We call the winter nukes with yep. their two-inch lumber, and and we make it a five-frame, and and there's only one little drilled hole, a three-quarter of an inch hole at the bottom left, and that's all we do. Yeah, I may do that if if there is a queen and everything seems viable. I could still uh, take two frames. I was gonna say from yeah. the other colony because that other colony has an entire medium of drawn-out capped food in it, so it's got plenty. And it's got brood too. Yeah, so I can I can give them some stuff to kind of bolster them up, but I don't know. Um, I don't. I'm not going to do electric fences, mainly because one power source. I don't want to run electricity through the forest. Uh, two, I can use the solar ones, but the tree canopy does not allow a lot of light through. There's only an no. opening big enough by this one tree to give the bees kind of a, a sight line and a place to orient on. There's not a massive shaft of light that's going to constantly be charging this fence, so that sucks. Um, right. And also the hives are not anywhere near each other. I would have to do oh, multiples yeah. or I so would have to relocate uh, them to one spot. But what, 
I did end up doing, and they should be here on Wednesday, is going to be the they are basically um, tripwire pin devices. They're a little plastic device that hooks together. You can hook the tripwire on either side of it, and if something pulls that apart, it lets off a horrendously loud 130 decibel multi-tone pitch churm alarm scream thing. And they've tested it on black bears and it scares shit out of them and they run away. Oh, that's so good. I can run those around as trip wires and have those hooked in between so that if the bear comes through and sets that off, it goes off for 30 minutes continuously oh, and it's wow. loud enough. You can hear it inside the house. Like my neighbors everywhere are going to be like, what the hell is that noise? For 30 um, minutes, you're going to keep for, your neighbors up. <laughs> well, no, it stops as soon as you go out and plug it back together, Okay, okay. but it will go for 30 minutes uninterrupted <laughs> right. if, if there's something going on. So I can put that around the hives and potentially have like a warning system. We'll right. hear if something's going on, but hopefully it will chase the bear off as well. Um, the yeah. Now, the long-term solution is going to be fish and game come out here and trap that bear and take it somewhere else. And this is not an ongoing problem that we have right. to worry about for maybe another, you know, two or three or four or five years. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, do, do, I mean, do your neighbors, do they see a lot of bears? No. Uh, what's this? No, nothing. Huh? The ones actually that are just right up from us have never seen a bear and they've been out wow. here since they've been here for about 20, 25 years. So it really uh, smelled you beehives. Don't say that. Cause that was the first thing I thought was there has not been a bear on this side of the lake in forever. And now I show up and I bring beehives and suddenly yeah. there's a bear. They're going to blame me. <laughs> they didn't have COVID those bears. They didn't lose their sense of they smell. They didn't lose their sense of smell. They knew where it was at. Yeah. No, I did think about that when I was out there cleaning it all up. I was like, everybody's going to blame me. <laughs> <laughs> It's his fault. They bears didn't show up till he came and he brought his beehives. Bear bait. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't they don't keep coming back because that's no fun to try. No, to he didn't show up last night. So apparently yesterday he was traipsing up around the high school, which is um, I'm at the end of the road. The high school is at the beginning of the road where you turn to come down here. And he was up around there. I keep saying he, we really don't know if it's a boy or a girl. So mm -hmm. it, it just sounds, it feels odd to me. Um, right. So they, nope. Cause that's kind of plural. <laughs> so anyhow, the bear was up around the high school <laughs> and then the bear went over to uh, towards the highway going West, but kind of following the little nooks and crannies of our Valley. Right. The positive thing though, is that it managed to skip my neighbor at the bottom of the hill because at the bottom of the mountain, at the uh, the base down there by the lake, she has chickens, goats, donkeys, alpacas, llamas. Oh, lots of. <laughs> it's a freaking menagerie down there. And wow. I don't know, I don't know how much of a predator a black bear is, like what it will and will not try to take down, or if it's more just opportunistic, because the grizzlies is a whole nother story. Polar bears, that's a whole nother story. Um, the black bears, I'm not really sure what, you know, kind of what their MO is. So I don't know if those things would be, I guess it would depend on how hungry the bear got, but there's a whole smorgasbord <laughs> at the bottom of the mountain and it skipped them. It skipped my chickens. It did the beehive. It, uh, upended a 10 foot pole that had a bunch of bird seed and nuts on it at my neighbor's house and knocked it over and ate all of that um and got inside of our trash can but that was about it sounds so, like it was not a well thought out bear 
It was it it was literally scavenging and then it found the beehive and it was like jackpot. <laughs> right. So I wonder, um, I think that your nuke box, the easy nuke box, the white plastic box that you use as a conversion, did you have it taped on the holes everywhere? Yeah, it was so it was setting on the stand and then so it had a, a wooden platform underneath it. It was shoved right up against the edge of the, the hive with the hole cut to match the inner dimensions of the top bar. And then there was a thing of tape running around the outside across the holes. And then on each edge, pulling it tight to hold it against the top bar so that it wouldn't sag out. But that was it. It was just like Gorilla Tape. It wasn't like anything. What what I mean by tape is the holes, the aeration, yeah. the ventilation holes. They were, they were covered up. Right. Yeah. 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 All the way around the top. Probably smelled it kind of a thing. Well, I mean, I think he would have smelled it regardless. But the funny thing is, it wasn't the first thing that he went to. Right, that's true. It was, that was after he decided there was not anything worthwhile in our trash bag. (laughs) That's really not a good beekeeping year for you. I mean, between the start and the... That's what a couple of people on uh, on social media have said. They're like, dude, you're not having a lot of luck right. with, with bees yeah, since you moved. <laughs> good for you for persisting, but it's been a little challenging. It has. It took me forever to get them. Uh, I finally got them in, what, June? So July, right. <laughs> August. I had two hives for two freaking months, and then a bear ate one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I should laugh because that's no fun. I no, it is. That. It's okay. I mean, it's not, I'm not, I'm, it's it's a devastating crush and blow, but at the same time, you have to be able to see the humor in it. And I get it. Like, it's a bear. That's what it does. We're encroaching in its territory kind of thing. It's out there looking for food. And that's, it's exactly what it would have done in nature if they were inside a hollow log. It would have flipped that's that sucker over and tore it apart. Does. Yeah, that's what nature does. So you're going to have to hope that your one colony goes through the winter and or that you find new suppliers next spring. (laughs) Right. Because what happened last winter, the one colony that got moved up here got attacked by ants, (laughs) had a huge setback because of that. And then immediately following the ant attack, got a freeze, which knocked out half of the population and then another freeze, which wiped them out entirely. So he's trying to tell you something. <laughs> beekeeping for you is done. <laughs> You're finished. <laughs> Time to find a new so, hobby, everybody. <laughs> is your family planting, you know, bait and try to get things? No, so you can no. Focus on your other work? I don't, I don't, I would say no. Now, if we were still down in Austin, that could possibly be a reality because I had too many things going on and I could totally see them slowly sabotaging them being like, oh, darn, look, that's, that's so sad that happened. But now look at this free time you've got. Right. So, and by the way, I should have listened to you because I I don't really quite have the bandwidth I thought I had for a lot of the volunteering stuff i've put myself forward for you know what though so here's a here's a this is a we're we're way off topic so thank you everybody for tuning in for listening about the bears <laughs> if you would like to listen to the rest of the nonsense please carry on otherwise feel free to stop here <laughs> so one of the things that is very obvious to me and i've actually heard this from other people who are in other states who have been parts of other organizations there's so much drama and BS that does not need to be there and all of this political power struggle crap that goes on that is defeating the point of the whole thing. So all of the stuff that I was involved in, 
yes, it takes a lot of bandwidth, but if it would have been a homogenous group effort working towards the same goal, there wouldn't have been nearly the amount of stress. And I think it would have been okay. Right. But all of the rest of that crap that gets added in there, which adds all this unneeded stress, just makes it so not worth it. Well, I mean, you discover a lot of things. <laughs> right. <laughs> you learn about people you didn't want to know. <laughs> right. You people's uh, true colors kind of come through, basically. Yeah. 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 There, there's a lot of that. And it's very unfortunate. And uh, I feel for you. Um, I can tell I you this, it. though. November is quickly approaching. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm thinking. So that's from that standpoint. One of the volunteering uh, thing is just one year, and then the other one is two years, but that means I have more time to spread it out. Now, I will tell you, without naming names, one of your best friends <laughs> requested that I basically do not teach the b-school one oh beekeeping one the, the beginner beekeeping that they do all the time yeah because i will not say i refuse to say that you have to feed your bees yep yeah and so i'm like well you, that's really doing a disservice to the new beekeepers to think that they have to feed their bees it's all a case by case basis Right. And I know I, I would not say you have to feed your bees. So I'm out. <laughs> and wah, I'm biting wah, my wah. tongue. Okay. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. And again, uh, more with the political BS and, and just weird stuff, you it's know, all like all over the place. Yeah. yeah. I got booted out of a friendly group uh on facebook <laughs> for those of you who couldn't see it friendly had butterfly like effects of quote marks around it as she held her fingers up in the air friendly <laughs> yeah so you can't express any kind of opinion you gotta be muzzled and if you say anything you get booted out so yeah. i'm like okay so one yeah. of the one of the things that i found really interesting was that at one point in time the former president of said association was actively trying to bring in new stuff. And some of that rubbed off on the successor, the, the current president. And initially there was all this talk of, we need to do new and inventive things. We should bring in some of these, you know, social media stars. We should do some of this other stuff. You guys should like do a live thing of the podcast. There's all these things that they wanted to do. Their ideas, not mine. And part of that also was diversifying. You can't talk just to the commercial. You can't talk just to the backyard. You can't talk just this. There's so many different hive styles. Bring in these people that do these things. So we did. And then people would complain. And they complained about less in multiple instances. And for three years, I was informed that well, every time I would bring up, like, we, we totally need to bring less in. We've got this resource here. We need to have him out there. Well, I just don't know. We had a we had a lot of responses that came back in. And I'm like, really? You had a lot of responses that came back in and or you just don't like something about what he said or what he did. Because every time he came in, the freaking room is packed. And yet I, you're sitting there telling me that, oh, well, people were complaining. I'm like, if that was the case, 
he would show up and he'd be a dud and nobody would want to go in there and see him. And when we had speakers like that, we would weed them out. And that wasn't the case, which is why I kept bringing it back. <laughs> well, and the question is how many people were complaining. Right. Like it's just a handful in a in a amphitheater of 100, 200 people. Right. You're never going to be able to please everybody, right? So, well, so a long time ago, I worked um, a very long time ago. I worked for a movie theater company and mm -hmm. I was the general manager of one theater and I was a district manager over the whole area. And I don't know how many times, and it was always the older generation, but I don't know how many times I, I can't even count it on two hands. Somebody would walk in arbitrarily buy a ticket to a movie because the name sounded interesting. Know nothing about it. Go in, sit down, start watching it, be absolutely appalled by the subject matter come back out and complain to me as if I was the one that had made the movie. And I told him every time I was like, had you ever seen it? Had you ever heard anything about it? Seen any previews, read any I mean, reviews on it? This movie. Yeah. And, the, and they were like, no. And I'm like, then how is that anybody else's fault? Like do your research. So if somebody was like, Oh, this sounds interesting. And they go into the room and then they're like, Hey, that's not for me. That's okay. But is that a reason for that speaker to never come back? No. <laughs> okay. I yeah. Don't know. No. I'm biting my tongue and I'm like, you know what? Yeah. See, you have to because you still live there and you're still part of it. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I can't say anything yet. <laughs> right. The time will come. As I said, November is coming. Winter is coming. <laughs> no, but I'm and, and without talking about anything specifically, what I will say is that I noticed over the years that Beekeeping in any state, and I'm only talking about Texas because that's the only one that I've done beekeeping in, um, is probably very political. Once you reach always the same people, when you reach kind of like the top of, you've been there a long time, yeah. it's always the same actors that are in yep. this. A lot of them have been around forever and they're not changing any of their ways. And oh. they're just know each other and they talk to each other and they will talk behind your back and they will just kind of completely. So uh, small world. Um, this one, this one's not going to be a shock because of, of who and what, but I did think that it was absolutely entertaining. So I mentioned, and I don't remember if it actually made it on the recording or not. Um, but I mentioned the last time we did an episode that I had, Somebody about a month ago had reached out to me and wanted me to present on Friday because Saturday was the uh, National Honeybee Awareness Day. Mm -hmm. And they wanted me to present to their organization. Their organization is a national organization and they are all across the country. There is no, oh, their main headquarters is in Oregon, I believe. Um, cool. But they are not in any single building. They're all over the United States. And they brought me in to do this virtual presentation and they have all these people in there. And then afterwards, when we were doing Q and A's, I did have a little section in there where I talked about misnomers and things that you may see online or on social media that you should not do, such as right. don't feed them a teaspoon of honey from the store. Cause you think that they're right. just sick and tired or lost, you know, and you know, like I talked about the repercussions of this, the lady who was the, the organizer of it was the HR associate for the company. So she's up there. And she says, well, I have a question and you never know which way somebody's going to go with it, but it really, right. it really struck me. She goes, what about other things on social media that you may see where they are implying that this is how something should be done or that something 
you know, can be all zen and beautiful, such as the blonde lady that likes to stick her bare hands into the bees and tell you how beautiful and calm they are. Is that That really something that you should do or are they sending the wrong message? And that was how she phrased it. And I was like, I just sat there for a second. I was like, did somebody coach you and tell you to ask me that? Because you could not have the camera. I know. Where's the camera? Like I'm being framed, right? I'm being set up. (laughs) So here's this national corporation and they're asking me about Texas Bee Works and Miss Erica Thompson. And I, that's what I said. I was like, Oh, you mean Erica Thompson, the blonde lady that's all over social media and you know, the, the self-prescribed queen of bees. And uh, they were like, yeah. And I was like, absolutely not. Unfortunately, they're doing a disservice. They're going through, they're doing a misrepresentation. Uh, But the one thing that everybody needs to know right off the bat is the fact that anything on social media to some degree, and in some cases to an extreme degree is staged. It is set up Mm -hmm. so you can get that perfect, beautiful glamour shot and make it seem all, you know, and so we've got, we got to talk through that, but because they brought it up out of nowhere they specifically wanted to know if the stuff that she puts out there is setting a good example for the other beekeepers. And I was like, I am being framed. <laughs> you, that was like Andy Tamar movement. <laughs> right. So, but the good thing though, was she not being a beekeeper, how already had a sneaking suspicion that there was something wrong with that and that it wasn't necessarily setting a good example. And she wanted that to be expressed to the rest of the associates. Right. And so I applaud her for that. That was, uh, that was great. Um, right. to, to not just fall in head first and be all infatuated with the pretty bright lights and shiny stuff, you know, um, well, and to have some critical thinking now I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm kind of like looking at it. It's more influencing. It's more social media influencing work. And as such, personally, I realize that's what it is. And I think yeah. it's great marketing from that standpoint for her. It's amazing marketing for herself, she did, literally. <laughs> right. She did bring attention to the, the bees and things like that. And I think she does some work with the authorities on some of that, but I don't know how much, right? Yeah. She doesn't work with the Texas Beekeepers Association, for nope. example. She's not part of any club or association period, which right. that always, and that always that, should ring a bell. Cause you know who else in Texas is right. not part of any club or association? Walter. Right. <laughs> and I still would never recommend anybody follows that kind of example nope. because it's, it's, you know, she knows what she's doing. That's fine. She does whatever she wants. I think that it would behoove um, everybody to set the right example because it's already so difficult to, to keep people safe. Right. Um, That sending the right message would be better. Well, the thing that I begged and pleaded for for years was, can you not just put a freaking disclaimer in there? Even if you just said, now I'm doing this because I'm a professional and I do not recommend or advocate that you try this. I know these bees. I know what's going on. If even if you give a little precautionary statement like that, you're at least or, alluding to the fact that this is not how every colony behaves. Or I get stung all the time, but it doesn't show on the show, right? It doesn't right. show on the movie. Right? Which, according to Walter, he never gets stung. And according yeah, to her, yeah. she can communicate with them and they have an understanding and she don't get stung. So, yeah. <laughs> Les Crowder, on occasion, he almost never get stung but on occasion he'll get the sting or two i've watched him get stung and he doesn't he stiffens up and then he'll ask for the smoker or he'll hold his hand if you're helping him and he'll say can you smoke me right here and you know that's why he didn't make a big deal about it 
He doesn't fuss and throw a fit. He continues doing what he's doing. And I, I applaud him for, he doesn't even flinch to the point of like, you think something's going to drop because when I get stung, I still want to throw shit. (laughs) He lifts his hand. He looks at it. And then he, he kind of like uses a smoker. Yeah. Smokes it real, real gently. Right. Just like it's the bees. Right. (laughs) Right. But if, I mean, he's the only one I know that can communicate quote unquote with bees. Yeah. And I I mean that. So, I mean, anybody can pretend they do, but not many, hardly anyone can do that. And I think he can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can communicate with bees. I was on the top deck this today going, (laughs) I tried to save you. Stop trying to attack me. Like one way communication, John. (laughs) Right. But it was so when when we went down there to put everything back together, they were very demoralized. They were very lost and confused and they were freaking everywhere. And when I had the phone out and I was doing recording, they did ping the phone several times, but they never tried to, they weren't all over my suit. They weren't trying to sting me. Right. That's, that was, and that was fine. And I was actually shocked by that. I expected to walk down there and just be covered. I've heard a lot of people say when they come in the aftermath of vandalism or something like a bear attack or weather that's kind of completely shredded them open and just very, um, expose them they are demoralized they are and they're very gentle it's it, like a baby bird that you put back together and they're like, yeah it happens in bee removals all the time when you first start it is all out war and then by the time you're making it towards the end they give up they're just Some like eh. yeah, well yeah. yeah there's i've been to a few where every single bee in the colony was an elite militia guard bee <laughs> Um, and they came out like fighter jets, just wave after wave after wave. And it never stopped till they were all gone. Um, but for the most part, you know, you open them up, they may put up a good fight, but after a little while, they're just flying around. They're, they're no longer like, get that guy. They're like, Oh my God, what do we do? Somebody help. But so two days later, the, the hive is setting down there. I've opened it up so they can do their stuff. I opened up the back door, poor Dante. He's black. Dog goes out on the deck and I mean, he walked out the door and immediately one was on him and he was, he, he instantly went into panic mode because he knows what that equates to rushes back inside the house. I walked out there to see what was going on. One comes after me and that was me yelling at him. I was like, look, I'm trying to save you. Like, stop trying to sting me. And I wasn't down by the hive. I'm up on my upper deck of the house. <laughs> like everybody's guilty right now. Yeah, yep. And especially if you're black and furry, like right. uh, well, they went for Dante. Like bear. they but ignored Willow. Like, <laughs> Willow's white and right. gray. They ignored her. They went for the black dog. <laughs> well, as far as they're concerned, they went for the bear. That they went this, for the, right? that's right. They went for the bear cub that tore it apart. Uh, Cause right. he's, he's a little black furry guy. So, you know, it works. Probably want to but, keep him inside for a bit. Right. Yeah. Front yeah. door for you, man. That's right. Straight down to the potty area and straight back. We go out the back door where the bees can't see you. It's okay. Now run. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go at night only. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's scary, actually. Now, when we go out at light, it's in it, it's in teams with spotlights because it's dark, and we're like, "What did? What was that? Did you hear that? Something cracked. What was it?" <laughs> like, <laughs> that's true. You got to keep safe from the beer now. <laughs> yep. There you go. Well, we need to get this wrapped up. We've been rambling on for a while, so yeah, I appreciate sorry. everybody tuning in, and I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode of recapping my traumatic life over the past twelve days. <laughs> Natalie's, it gets better john i'm not Natalie's sure how much turning, worse it can get i know i was gonna say you're turning red from trying not to laugh <laughs> it's not 
not very generous, but uh, oh, yeah. it's all right. I'm Sorry laughing. I'm laughing right along with everybody else. So it's right, good. Right. So thank you for tuning in. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Sorry that there was no episode last week, but now you know why. And we, uh, we, yeah, we look forward to talking to you again soon. I already said that. I'm going to blame it on COVID. Probably not true, but whatever. That's COVID. That's COVID. Be good, everybody. <laughs> Be mindful. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you. And we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees. <laughs>